0: Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. The Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mach 1 Market Moment. I'm Mark Haywood alongside David Lee. He's a retirement income specialist at Mach 1 Financial Group, serving you in Northwest Arkansas. As always, for past shows, we'd invite you to check them out online at mock-1 financial.com. That's mock the number one financialcom That's the number one, not spelled out mock Financial.com. David, welcome to the show. How you doing?
1: Hey, Mark. Great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. I'm excited about another show with you. And I think on today's show, I really just want to hit some of the recent things we've seen in the financial world and the news, especially things that are just news and how they relate to the financial world. I always like to see what's going on in the world around us and try to figure out how it impacts us, the daily investor, on a day-to-day basis. So a lot has been going on in the news right yeah, <laughs> they're, not, they're not begging for headlines that's for sure <laughs> i mean we've seen the market react to all sorts of news this trade war facebook's in the headlines the mueller investigation just a couple of nights ago we saw well at the time you're listening to this it could be a week or so ago but just saw sean hannity in the news with a hiccup and the market goes crazy and reacts to all of these little things right so let's just kind of explore some of these different headlines As we've said, what should we learn from all these little hiccups?
1: We should just learn the lesson that we should have for those of us who've been watching the market or been investors for a good portion of our lives, we should learn that this is just kind of the norm. Markets always have been and I guess always will be affected to a degree by what we call headline risk, right? The the latest news of, oh my gosh, you know, Trump's gonna get impeached, or oh my gosh, we're gonna have a trade war with China, or oh my gosh. Sean Hannity is a client of uh, Trump's lawyer and what kind of impact is that going to have on the market or whatever the or, or oh my gosh we're going to have a World War 3 with Syria markets have always been affected by headline risk but at the end of the day what really affects the market is earnings right in the short run markets are definitely affected by headline risk and Headline risk can generate fear or greed. Markets are also driven on fear and greed. So if the headlines are bad, and remember, it's like they say in the news business, if it bleeds, it leads, right? You've That's heard that right. before? If it bleeds, it leads. So newspapers, TV stations, they don't generally sell a lot of ads and, and generate a lot of viewers from Good news. Bad news sells, unfortunately, I guess it's just part of human nature. Bad news sells more than good news sells. And so that's why the news seems to be filled with all negative headlines, which tend to generate more fear than greed. So headlines tend to generate fear, which has a short-term negative impact on the market. But in the long run, I'll reiterate, in the long run, markets are driven by earnings, And earnings are driven, at least in the U.S., primarily by consumer spending. You've heard me talk about this for years. Those of you who've been coming to our seminars or listened to our podcast or our shows for years, I've said this over and over again through the years. The U.S. is a consumer spending-driven economy. 70% of our GDP comes from consumers. We know the typical American consumer household peaks in spending in their late 40s to early 50s. Therefore, if the late 40 to early 50 demographic group is growing, you can bet that we're going to have steadily improving consumer spending trends. And if we have steadily improving consumer spending trends, we're going to have a growing economy and growing stock values and earnings and revenues are going to be going up, which again, drives the value of your investments up. So in the long run, I think markets are driven much more by those fundamentals earnings, demographics, consumer spending, consumer confidence, much more so than they're driven by the headline risk of the day. So even though I'm more optimistic or bullish, you might say, on the market and the economy than I've been in a decade, and there's data to show why we all should be more optimistic on the market and the economy than we've been in a long time, even though I'm optimistic that doesn't mean that I'm right. I could be wrong. There could be something that comes out of nowhere that catches us by surprise that causes the market to get off track. So our investment strategy and philosophy has not changed, even though I'm bullish. And the strategy that we follow is what we call a market neutral investment strategy. That means whichever direction the market moves, whether it be from headline risk or whether it be you know, driven from true fundamentals, driving the market either up or down, Whether we're right or whether we're wrong on which direction we think the market is going, we want our clients to be in a market-neutral portfolio that has a high probability of a positive outcome over any given 12-month period, regardless of whether the market over that 12-month period is up, sideways, or down. We do that by using a combination of various investment strategies from annuities to hedged equity strategies to artificial intelligence stock-picking strategies to option trading strategies, each of which have a different correlation to the market, each of which have a kind of a known risk profile and and also somewhat of a known return profile. So if we combine those different strategies in known quantities, we can have a decent idea of what kind of performance we ought to expect from the portfolio, given the performance of the market over that particular year. But more importantly, we can know how much downside risk we're taking for that return potential. That's what we try to control. No advisor can control the market or the economy. We may have opinions on which direction we think things are going to go, but nobody can control what the market is going to do what we can have some measure of control over however i believe is downside risk and that's what we attempt to control here at mach one
0: That's right. You can only control your risk. You can only control your plan and then let the market do what it's going to do, right? It's all about your plan and planning ahead so that when the market does react, the ups and the downs, the little blips, you're prepared for those no matter which way the market goes. So kind of on that same train of thought, David, for the past few years, the dollar has been losing value relative to other currencies around the world, and it seems that trend will continue. How might that affect investors? So again, is that something to worry about?
1: I personally believe in a in a strong dollar. I think that we should have a strong U.S. currency and not a weak dollar. And I think that what I've been observing is that the dollar is actually slowly beginning to gain strength against uh, foreign currencies, which I would expect to continue to happen if the uh, policies of the Trump administration are successful. If, for example, if some of these tariff policies that they're implementing, if that begins to reduce our our trade deficit with china for example that makes the u.s dollar strengthen relative to the yen uh, relative to the chinese currency it also if you know as the as the u.s economy continues to improve you're going to see the u.s dollar strengthen relative to foreign currencies. so i believe that we're going to see a strengthening dollar which i think is good for the u.s economy in the long run but whether whether i'm right or wrong on that though Again, to me, I think fundamentally, I'll go back to what not to beat a dead horse, but going back to kind of the previous answer I gave, what really truly affects all of our prosperity or lack thereof is whether U.S. companies, U.S. corporations, whether they be large companies or small companies, if those companies are generating increased profits year over year, then that means that wages are going up, that means the prosperity throughout the economy is going up. It's as they say, a rising tide lifts all boats. So if earnings and revenues of companies are going up in the United States due to an improving economy, whether that be due to improving trade policies or whether it be due to lower taxation or whatever that may be, maybe it's due to just demographic forces like I talked about earlier. People are spending more money just simply because of the fact that there's more people in that peak spending demographic group. Whatever the reason may be, if companies are generating more revenues, that's going to mean more prosperity, whether the dollar is strong or weak. So I don't pay too much attention to the value of currencies. If you think about it, I mean, what is a dollar? If you pull a dollar bill out of your pocket, what is that? I mean, it's just a piece of paper if you think about it, but what it represents is what's important. It represents the ability to buy a dollar's worth of goods or services. So I I believe that we're going to see the value of the dollar strengthen over time, which I think is good for the for the US economy, for the US worker. But ultimately what really matters is rising revenues, rising earnings, which allow all of us to be more prosperous.
0: All right. And David, before we kind of Pause here for the day before we wrap up this segment. Let's talk for a second about Target and specifically minimum wage. I know that's a hot topic out there today, so we'll try to stay out of politics, but uh, <laughs> I want to dive into this just a little bit here. They are the latest major company, talking about Target, to significantly raise its minimum wage. They're up to $12 an hour with a goal of being at $15 an hour soon. Is the raise in minimum wage a good thing or a bad thing for the economy?
1: Well, I guess the answer here is it depends. If you raise the minimum wage at a controllable rate, it it ends up being a good thing. What we really all want, what the Federal Reserve wants, what the federal government wants, uh, what is in the national sovereign interest is for inflation to go up at a controlled rate. So what is inflation realistically when you boil it down? It means that the price of everything is slowly going up. Over time, whether you look at the price of fuel, the price of housing, the price of food, the price of whatever, is slowly going up over time. Yeah, you, know, you you look at that and think, well, why do we want the price of things to go up over time? Well, that's a, first of all, it's a sign of a growing economy, but it's even more fundamental than that. A moderate amount of inflation is actually good if you have some debt. So, for example, let's look at it from the federal government's perspective. The government has a lot of debt, as we all know. One of those debts is Social Security. So if the government is obligated to pay you, say, $1,000 a month for the rest of your life once you turn 62 or 65 or whatever the age may be, let's say they're, they're obligated to pay you $1,000 a month, and let's assume that the real inflation rate is 3%, but the cost of living adjustment they're giving you per year on Social Security only averages, say, 1%. Well, if you think about it, that means that they're eating into their debt obligation to you to the tune of 2% per year. In other words, the value of those dollars is dropping by 3% per year because those dollars buy 3% fewer goods and services each year if the inflation rate is 3%. But they're only giving you a 1% per year raise due to your cost of living adjustment. So the real loss in your ability to purchase goods and services is dropping at 2% a year. Or effectively, if you think about it, the government is eating away at their social security debt to the tune of 2% per year over time that has a you know that that eats away a pretty good chunk of debt they would otherwise be obligated to pay on the other hand so inflation is is good for governments so and i'm going to circle around and tie this back to your question to minimum wage but on the other hand, if you got deflation, if the price of everything is going down, that means that every dollar that you have in your pocket buys more goods and more services. So that Social Security obligation that the government has to you every, every month you get a check, they're paying you with more and more vi- valuable dollars or effectively the government's debt is growing every month if you have deflation. So now you can see why it's in the government's interest, the national sovereign interest for us to have a moderate amount of inflation. So how does all this relate to minimum wage? Well, all minimum wage is, if you think about minimum wage as being kind of the the entry level wage for an income earner in the US, that is obviously what minimum wage is. So minimum wage kind of affects the pay structure of every other job in the United States, right? If minimum wage goes up, then if you were earning $12 an hour and now they raise your minimum wage to $15 an hour, and let's say that you were earning above minimum wage, but your salary or whatever effectively amounted to fifteen dollars an hour. And now they've raised minimum wage to fifteen. Well, now you're going to say, "Well, hey, I'm now at minimum wage. I deserve a raise, right?" So it's going to it's going to cause your wage to go up as well. So all, in my view, from my viewpoint, all that this uh, minimum wage discussion is doing is, as long as it's growing at a controlled rate of say averaging maybe three percent a year, then that's a good and healthy thing for the economy. If it gets out of control, and, you know, obviously no one would get up on stage and, and advocate raising the minimum wage to $100 an hour, right? Why would no one advocate raising the wage to minimum wage to $100 an hour?
0: Well, that's, that's a good question, David. I'm certainly not an expert on that, but I think it just comes back to the economic implications of that. And, of course, you look at uh, the tax base, how that would potentially increase as a result of that, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, if you think about it, if suddenly – Let's say I'm McDonald's and now all of a sudden I'm asked to pay my burger flippers $100 an hour. What's going to happen? I'm going to go out of business, right? Or or else I'm going to start charging customers, you know, $50 for their Big Mac. Right, right? that's that's the end of uh, the dollar
0: menu at McDonald's. It becomes yeah.
1: the, the <laughs> $10 menu, right? Yeah, so either those costs are going to be passed on to customers and they're not going to be able to pay those costs, right? Because there's there's no time for the economy to absorb that sudden increase in, in wage in such a short period of time. If we look back and, you know, years ago, you know, you hear your grandpa talk about, you know, when I was a kid, I, I earned $2 an hour or, or 50 cents an hour or whatever, you know, whatever minimum wage was back then you look at that today and you think, my gosh, how could anybody live on that? Well, because it didn't just change all of a sudden, it changed slowly over time. So as long as the minimum wage is allowed to grow at an average rate of say 3% per year, I think that's a good, healthy and sustainable thing for the economy because it, it effectively is helping with inflation. It helps drive inflation, which is good for the national debt. It's good for you if you have debt, if you have a mortgage, for example, A modest rate of inflation of, say, 3% a year is good for you, right? Because every month when you make that mortgage payment, you're paying that mortgage off with less and less valuable dollars every month. Okay, I know that was a long answer, but uh, that's my view. As long as the um, rate of minimum wage grows at an average rate of, say, no greater than 3% a year, then I'm okay with that.
0: That's right. And I realize that that's a really complex debate, as are some of these other issues that we're talking about, right? I mean, all of these headlines that we've discussed are going to ultimately affect you in retirement, whether you know it or not. And so it's important that you plan for that. And so, David, when somebody comes into Mach 1 and visits with the team, what does that look like to really get that plan in place to take them not just to retirement, but all the way through it and be ready to weather the storm, so to speak, when the market goes up and when it goes back down?
1: Yeah, well you know, I I kind of alluded to it earlier. We use a market neutral investment strategy that doesn't require us to be right or even wrong on which direction we think the market's going to go. And what we start off with doing for everybody is we do a retirement analysis, which takes into account where you are today, financially speaking, and where you're going to be tomorrow in terms of how much your future social security benefits going to be, how much you're putting away monthly into your 401k or other retirement savings on a monthly basis. So that we can have an a way to fairly accurately project where you're going to be in the future and our analysis takes into account both taxes and inflation we've talked a lot about inflation today that's an important factor to consider in retirement planning because if you don't consider it it can be surprising how big the effect of inflation is over time on a retirement portfolio so you want to make sure that any retirement analysis any retirement planning you're doing takes into account both the effect of taxes and inflation we do that once we've accounted for that taxes inflation we're able to figure out what kind of rate of return you need to average from now until retirement to make your goals work. And then we come up with a plan to achieve that rate of return with as close to zero risk as possible.
0: And of course, if you want to plan to weather the headlines in the market, those ups and downs, market volatility, and if you just want to be able to plan for the future to establish your goals and then set a plan to accomplish them in retirement, you can get that plan in place by calling the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. Call 479-876-2100. That's 479 876 2100. That is a great way, a great first step towards getting a plan in place that will last you all the way through retirement. Simply pick up the phone and call 479 876 That's 479-876-2100. This is the Mach 1 Market Moment.
1: Advisory services offered through Fusion Capital Management, which is registered as an investment advisor with the SEC and only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission and does not imply that the advisor has achieved a particular level of skill or ability. Please consult your financial advisor as many financial and insurance products have associated fees. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss.